Well, good morning, everyone. Please take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 2. We want to look at the last verse of Genesis chapter 2. And then we'll take a look at chapter 3 in our reading this morning. Genesis chapter 2, verse 25, as we continue our survey through the book of Genesis. In Genesis 2, verse 25, here we read, And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, well, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, well, the woman whom you gave to me with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you've done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing, in pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you've listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. The Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the garden of Eden he placed the cherubim 
and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. May the Lord add his blessing at the hearing and the reading of his word this morning. Well, have you ever been lied to? I have. As a former State Farm insurance agent, I often would interview people looking for auto insurance, and I'd ask them a simple question like, when was the last time you had a speeding ticket? Or when was the last time you had an accident? And people would say, oh, I haven't had any. I've, I've never had one. And of course, we would check the record, and there'd be a huge laundry list of things that they had done. Again, we're going to check. We're going to find out one way or another, right? So yes, I've been lied to. Of course, as a pastor over the years, I've heard all kinds of accounts from people. There was the man who told his wife and me flat out that he wasn't having an affair with another woman, only to finally admit it and tell me the truth of his infidelity three years later. Or the woman who adamantly said that she hadn't been abusive with her husband and then only confessed to it after being confronted with the evidence of her destructive behavior. Or the man who swore he did not molest the woman at the local grocery store, even though there was video footage of him doing it. Or the man I counseled years ago who enjoyed going online posing as a teenage girl to get thrills from young boys and men who were looking for young girls. Or the man who put on a front on how much he loved his wife and kids. And I even had he and his family to dinner in my house many times, but all along he had been threatening his family and abusing them. In fact, he had already secretly murdered two people, all the while eating at my table, attending my church, and praying with me with a feigned desire to follow Christ. That situation ended up being on NBC Dateline. All the way to the youth pastor at a church I was at who finally admitted that he lied to people regularly just to get people to agree with him. I don't know about you, but I despise dishonesty so much. I hate it. Even if I play a board game to this day, just ask my family, I will not cheat. I, I hate it. I, I won't cheat. I can't tolerate others who like to cheat at games. It drives me nuts. I had a dear Dutch farmer friend of mine who would say this. He said, if you'll lie, you'll cheat. And if you'll cheat, you'll steal. And if you'll steal, you're liable to do anything. It's probably not too far from the truth. Beloved, all of us are involved in an intense spiritual battle. And as we'll see today in our study, for us to do well, we need to know who we are up against, right? Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field, chapter 3, verse 1. The serpent is one and the same as the devil or Satan. He is the great deceiver and the accuser of the brethren. He has already been conquered by the blood of Christ, so his time, praise God, is short. And even though we are currently engaged in a war with him that, has, that he's already lost, we need to remember that the serpent was once a great and good angel that God created. But Satan corrupted himself through his own pride. He was filled with unrighteousness, violence, and sin, Scripture maintains. He was cast down to earth by God himself. Understand, and don't miss this today, the serpent isn't just against God. He wants to be God. 
He is more subtly devious than any other creature. He will say anything that he can say possible to deceive you. He is the father of lies. He was a murderer from the beginning. However, in contrast, Jesus is the great I am. He is the light of the world. He is the bread of life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. As we studied several weeks back at the beginning of December, we saw in chapter 2 this incredible world that God had created for us that culminated in this last verse where the this first couple, the first king and queen of all creation that God had ordained oversight for them of the garden. They came to a place where they're able to receive each other fully with, with no guilt, no shame, there's no sin. It was awesome. And now enter the serpent. Next week, we'll take a look at overcoming temptation. And then after that, we'll see the actual fall of man but today we need to find out who we're dealing with in our study. Today I have four truths I want to share with you from this passage and four other major passages we're going to look at to make sure we understand who we're dealing with with this evil being. But before we study, let's ask God's help. Would you please pray with me? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this incredible opportunity, this, these few minutes we have to be in your word to dive into it and to unpack it and to do all we can to understand what it is you're sharing with us as you reveal to us truth. Lord, we ask that you'd open our hearts and our minds to receive the truth that you have for us, that you'd be our guide, that you'd be our instructor, that you'd be our teacher. Help us to learn from you today, we ask. Thanking you and praising you for that you'd reveal anything to us. So Lord, thank you. Help us to engage to plug in. We pray this in your son's wonderful and awesome name. Amen. If you have your sermon notes outline, here's the first truth from our passage. First of all, the serpent is one and the same as the devil and Satan. Let's make sure we understand who we're talking about. The serpent is one and the same as the devil and Satan. The text starts out in chapter 3, verse 1, now the serpent. And we're like, well, Who's the serpent and where did he come from? Well, first of all, we're going to look at the book of Revelation, chapter 12, verse 9. So if you want to turn there, that's fine. You can find that on page 1226 in the New Testament if you're using the Bible in front of you. But Revelation 12, 9, I want you to see this with your own eyes. Most of this will be on the screen. But understand this evil being First of all, he is the great deceiver. That's what Revelation 12, 9 says. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who was called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. This is who he is by way of name and title, the ancient serpent, devil and Satan the deceiver of the whole world. That's what he's about. He wants to deceive every one of us in this room if he possibly could. But not only is he the great deceiver, secondly, he is the accuser of the brethren. This passage goes on to say in verse 10 of Revelation 12, and I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation, the power, and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. 
For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. This is what the evil one does. He's constantly accusing us. Even when we're finally doing it right, he wants to accuse you and make you feel bad about it. Oh, you're not all that good. You're not all that great. And he accuses us and demeans us. He's the worst bully there ever was. The great deceiver, the accuser. But then thirdly, we need to understand with great certainty that he has already been conquered by the blood of Christ. He is not only a deceiver, not only an accuser, but we could throw in here, he's a, the great loser. He's a loser. Revelation 12, 11, and they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb. And by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death, he is a loser. I had a, a Detroit friend of mine, he was kind of a gangster who came to Christ years ago, and he called Lucifer, he called him the great goof. That's what he is. Not only that, we need to also know with great encouragement that his time is short. Revelation 12, 12, therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them, that's us. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows that his time is short. He's running out of time. Why? Because he's a loser. But not only that, fifthly, he is currently waging war against us. We are now in an ongoing battle. Even in this moment, in this room, there's a spiritual battle that's raging. The scripture says in 12, 13, it might not be on the screen, but listen close. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and half a time. And the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Verse 17, then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring. That's the, the seed line, those who are in Christ. He's making war on the church, on us. He's making war on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sand of the sea. This is who we're dealing with. He's currently trying to trap you, destroy you, wipe you out. His time is short and conquered by the blood of Christ, this accuser, this deceiver. First Peter 5, 8 says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Man, he would just love to chew any one of us up at any time. He can't wait to do it, to get his teeth into you so that he can control you. The serpent is one and the same as the devil or Satan. But not only that this morning, secondly, the serpent was once a great and good angel that God created. Notice what, I, what the text says. Now the serpent, verse 1 of 3, which the Lord God had made. We always have to remember as Martin Luther, the great reformer said, that even the devil is the God's, is God's devil, right? 
God made him, and he corrupted himself. But let's understand who he was. For this, we need to go to Ezekiel chapter 28. So take your Bible, keep your thumb where you are, and turn to the right, find Ezekiel chapter 28, and I want you to see this passage with your own eyes. If you're using the Bible in front of you, you can find it on page 850 in the Old Testament. Ezekiel 28. Now, to understand what's going on here, this is, this is a little interesting. Usually when you read prophecy or the prophets, you're looking to something in the future. But sometimes as we read the texts of the great prophets like Ezekiel or Isaiah, sometimes we get a glimpse back on what has transpired, not only historically, but in this case, what's happened historically, spiritually. And we see this in this particular passage in Ezekiel 28, starting in verse 12, where here is God speaking to the prophet Ezekiel, and he says, Son of man, raise a lamentation over the king of Tyre, and say to him, Thus says the Lord God. Now, for us to understand how this works a little bit with this kind of prophecy, I'm going to pick on Kent here. So all you upstairs, you have to pay attention to what's going on. So now understand as the, here's God speaking to the prophet. I'll be Ezekiel for a minute, Right? And now you're going to be this particular king that Ezekiel is going to talk to. But as, is being, as he's talking to this particular king, he's, it seems he's talking to someone who's behind the king. Sorry, Dave. Uh, this evil being, sorry, Dave, uh, behind Kent here. Now, we know this is possible in terms of the context because at one point, remember when Jesus was talking to Peter one day and the other disciples, and Peter said something that Jesus didn't agree with? right? And what did Jesus say to him? He says, sorry, right to Peter. He goes, get the what? Behind me, Satan. Get out of here, Satan. He's talking to the entity behind these words that he didn't want to hear. And this is what's going on. You understand the context? Okay. So, sorry. Uh, you guys are awesome. All right. So now, son of man, raise lamentation over the king of Tyre in this case. Listen to the description. Verse 13. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Now, we first asked the question, when was the king of Tyre ever in the garden of Eden? And by the way, this is the only other reference to the garden of Eden in the rest of the text. It's in Genesis and here. So this is important to point out that what's being talked about here, you were in the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. Sardius, topaz, Diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, emerald, and carbuncle. I don't know what that is. It crafted in gold for your settings and your engravings. Um, on the day that you were created, they were prepared. Remember, we just read this in 3.1. Whom the Lord God created, who had made him. Listen, verse 14. You were anointed guardian cherub. I placed you. You were on the holy mountain of God in the midst of the stones of fire. You, you walked. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till unrighteousness was found in you. He was a good angelic being. In the abundance of your trade, you were filled with violence in your midst and you sinned. So I cast you as a profane thing from the mountain of God. And I destroyed you, O guardian cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was proud because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I exposed you before kings to feast their eyes on you. 
and by the multitude of your iniquities and the unrighteousness of your trade, you profane your sanctuary. So I brought fire out from your midst. It consumed you, and I turned you to ashes on the earth in the sight of all who saw you. And all who know you among the people are appalled at you. You've come to a dreadful end and shall be no more forever. He's a loser. He's going to be destroyed. This is the prophecy. And you go, wow. Now understand, this serpent was once a great and good angel that God created. He was wise, the text says. Matter of fact, it says he was perfect and beautiful in the day that he was created. But thirdly, we need to understand that the serpent corrupted himself through his own pride. By the way, that's where you'll find where you corrupt yourself through your own pride. First of all here, he was filled with unrighteousness, violence, and sin, the scripture says. If we read on in Ezekiel 28 as we just did, you were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till unrighteousness was found in you. In the abundance of your trade, you were filled with violence in your midst, and you sinned. There it is, unrighteousness, violence, sin, incredible rebellion. He was filled with all unrighteousness. But not only that, he was cast down to earth by God himself. Several references throughout Scripture Ezekiel 28, 17, as we just read, I cast you to the ground, in the Hebrew, to the Eretz, to the earth. Isaiah 14, 12 confirms this, how you are cut down to the earth. We just read in Revelation chapter 12, and when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth. Now, again, we wonder, you know, what's the timeline when he was thrown down to the earth? You know, so somebody wonders, you know, when were the angelic beings created? Well, here's what we have from Scripture uh, it seems that the angelic hosts existed before all of creation. How do we, why do we think that? We, because we have references to scripture that suggest that as God was in the, the mode of creating all that there is, the angels were praising him and lifting him up and revering God and all of his creative works. But somewhere from that time to this chapter 3, somewhere the evil one corrupted himself with violence, with sin and unrighteousness. And he was cast down to the earth by God himself. But thirdly here, as I said earlier, don't miss this. He's not just against God, he wants to be God. Now, to understand this, we need to turn to Isaiah 14. So take a left from Ezekiel. Go to Isaiah 14. And by the way, if you ever want to know how to remember these things, it's quite easy, really. Isaiah 14, double it, 28. That's Ezekiel 28, right? See, you guys can do this. It's just a little math. 14 and 28. Just have to remember the, the books, Isaiah and Ezekiel. So in Isaiah 14, we have a similar passage where we have another taunt brought to a different king. In this case, it's Babylon. In chapter 14 of Isaiah, starting in verse 4. Now, to make sure we understand this, we, we've got to get a handle on some other issue here. We have to remember that our God is infinite in all that he is, in his very being. And yet he creates an angels. And we need to understand from the very beginning, an, an angel of any kind is a finite creature, just like we're finite. In other words, we're not talking about 
uh, equal opposing forces where we have God, you know, the good and, and Satan and Lucifer who's the bad and somehow, you know, we're, some, we're looking at some Star Wars theology where it's the force and there's this good and this bad, this white, this black, and they're in opposition and they're equal forces. No way. The evil one is a created being, a fallen created being. Now, with that being the case, because we're all finite in this room, all of us have questions about the infinite. Why? Because we, how is it possible that the finite can even take in all that's infinite? Is that even possible? No. But God's got a solution to that. We'll talk about that in just a second. But understand when the finite bumps into the infinite, we've got questions, don't we? So when my little, my first daughter, Kelly, when she's very little, and uh, you know she's two, three years old, I don't know about you as parents, your kids finally start asking those hard questions. Like, uh, hey, you keep talking about God, you know, where is he? And so we have to say, well, um, the scripture says that, the, that God is spirit, right? You, you can't see him. At which point uh, she goes, well, I don't really understand what you're talking about. What do you mean spirit? Well, it, well, God is like the wind. Can you see the wind? No, but you know the wind is there, right? You feel it against your skin. You can see the trees move, right? At which point my daughter has to then take that by faith that that's the case. By the way, it is interesting that the Old and New Testament always refers to God by way of the Spirit in terms of idea of wind. Okay, so that's a good illustration. It's actually a very biblical illustration to use for the Spirit of God. Okay? So then she asks the next questions, right? What's the next question she might ask? Well, where did God come from? And what's the theological answer for that? He's always been, Right? At which point she's got to take that by faith. That's what the scripture says, right? So now imagine the evil one who is a finite creature has similar demand questions of the infinite. And here's the evil one standing before almighty God. And you can imagine this cherub of covering, this incredible angel that God had made. And Lucifer says to God, why, you're, you're beautiful, you're fantastic. And God says, yes, praise me. That's right. And by the way, he's worthy of that because he is all that. But by way of a demand question, you could imagine, as we're going to see in the text here in Isaiah, where the evil one could say, so where'd you come from? How'd you become God? And what's God's answer to that? I've always been God. I've always been who I am. At which point, Lucifer would have to take that by faith. But what if he doesn't? What if he goes, no, I don't think you've always been God. I think you became God. And if you became God, then I can become God Watch me. God says, that's it. You're out of here. He's corrupted by his what? His own pride, the text says. He's cast down to the earth and he shows up talking with Adam and Eve, in particular Eve. And he says to Eve, what? Don't you know that if you eat of the fruit, you too will be what? 
like God. It's a, it's a pyramid scheme. It's the same lie he bought. He's now selling it to her. And you know what? Sadly, we've all bought it. We've bought the same lie. Take a look at the Isaiah 14 passage here. The Lord has given you rest from your pain and turmoil. In the hard service with which you were made to serve, you will take up this taught against the king of Babylon, how the oppressor has ceased the insolent fury. The fury ceased. Um, this is not where I want to be. Starting in verse 12. There it is, thank you. How you are fallen from heaven, O day star. You can imagine, where is the king of Babylon ever the day star? O day star, son of dawn, how you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, watch this, you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembling the far reaches of the north. Here it comes. Verse 14, if my page doesn't turn over for me. It's like somebody's trying to keep this from happening. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. You see, he's not just opposed to God. He wants to be God. Understand that Lucifer is the biggest counterfeit there ever, ever was. He's a counterfeiter. He can't create a nickel. All he can do is corrupt God's awesome creation. That's all he can do. I will make myself like the most high. Watch me. But you were brought down to Sheol, to the far reaches of the pit. Those who see you will stare at you and ponder over you. Is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms, who made the world like a desert and overthrew its cities, did not let his prisoners go home? But you were cast out, verse 19, away from your grave. You're going to be dealt with, finally, once and for all. This is who we're dealing with. Horrible, horrible being. Now, in ver in what I want to say now is let's take a look at point four. We need to understand that the serpent is more subtly devious than any other creature. That's what our text says. Now the serpent made by the Lord, was more crafty than any beast of the field. More crafty. The Hebrew word is arum. That is, he is cunning, usually in a bad sense. Crafty, subtle, shrewd, sly. First of all here, you need to understand that he will say anything possible to deceive you. Notice what it says in our text. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Is that what God had said? That's not what God said. Genesis 2.16, the Lord God had commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden. This is exactly the opposite of what God actually said. God did say, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. So we have to understand that right from the get-go, when he approaches Eve, he starts with the deception. He starts with the lie. Why? Because he's the great deceiver. And the lies to us continue. To everyone in this room, the evil one comes at us, and he comes, come, come here, come here, come here. Come, listen up, I've got something for you. 
and we listen. And the evil one says things like, well, if you're a woman, you can be a man if you want to. If you're pregnant, you can go ahead and kill your baby. If you're a husband and father, it's okay to just yell at your wife and kids. If you work for the company, you can steal from the company. Go out. Everyone else does it. You can cheat on your taxes. Everyone else is. You can lie to everyone. It's okay. Who's going to know? Who's going to care? Go ahead. Cheat on your spouse. Go ahead. You can watch some pornography. It's, it's not that bad. Just one more drink won't hurt anything. Just another toke. We can live together for a while before we get married. What's the problem with that? God made all these plants anyway with all these things to smoke and to drink. Why, why not enjoy them? One of the biggest lies. No one cares about me. My life doesn't matter. I might as well end it all. There's a lie. Lie after lie after lie. Beloved, know with certainty he will say anything he possibly can to deceive you and take you for a ride. He is a roaring lion trying to devour you. But not only will he deceive you at any turn, understand that he was a murderer from the beginning. And here we turn to John chapter 8 for, to hear what Jesus has to say about this being. This is an extended passage, but I don't want you to miss it. Page 1062 in the New Testament, John 8, 31. So Jesus and the, the Jewish leadership, they're going back and forth, and they're harassing him, giving him a hard time. This is an incredible passage in John 8. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Notice this contrast from lying, 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 that I want to talk to you about what's true, Jesus says. They answered him, well, we are offspring of Abraham. We're of Abraham's seed and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you'll become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly. Amen, amen. It's in the Greek. Amen, amen. From the Hebrew, amen. This is the way it is. This is the way it is. Deal with it, deal with it. I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And the slave does not remain in the house forever. The, the son remains forever. So the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed, Jesus says. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I've seen with my father, and you do, you do what you've heard from your father. And they answered him, well, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, you are Abraham's children. If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works that Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You're doing the works of your, what your father did. And they said, well, we were not born of sexual immorality. We, we have one father, even God. So here these Jews are now mocking Jesus. Like, we know that story about Mary and Joseph, about your, the infidelity there with what happened. We know where you're from. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say, Jesus says? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. Here comes verse 44. You are of your father, the devil. 
and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Not only will he say anything possible to deceive you, understand that the evil one wants to destroy you. He just assumes see you dead. He was a murderer from the beginning. But not only that, lastly here, he is the father of lies. Jesus goes on to say in John 8, 44, when he lies, that is when the evil one lies, he speaks out of his own character. Why? For he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is what you are, that you are not of God. The Jews answered him, are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? What's the answer to that? Yes. And the prophets died. Who do you make yourself out to be? And Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I'd be a liar like you. But I do know him and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you're not 50 years old and you've seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, amen, 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 amen. Before Abraham was, I am. Ego, I me, I am. Referring back to the Exodus passage with Moses. Who is it that I should say is sending me? And God says, say to them, I am has sent you. I am that I am. Verse 59, we might go, well, we're not sure what Jesus meant by that. Well, we know precisely what Jesus meant by it because all you have to do is read verse 59. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. He basically was making very clear that he and the Father are one. The evil one is more subtly devious than any other creature. He is the father of lies. He was the murderer from the beginning. He will say anything possible to deceive you. Years ago, uh, when I was in my adolescent years in high school, uh, I, be, I, you know, as you see, I, I played drums and such. And uh, I, uh, I, start, I heard a few albums from the rock group Kansas. If you know anything about the rock group Kansas, you know a couple of their most popular songs, Carry On My Wayward Son, which everybody's like, that's awesome, and Dust in the Wind. But many people don't know is that back in the late 70s, Carrie Livgren actually came to Christ. He was one of the main writers. He didn't sing. He's got a horrible voice, but he was one of the lead guitar player. And he came to Christ 
after really researching virtually every world religion possible, and he came to understand that the claims of the gospel message, the claims of Christ, are where truth resides. And he put his faith in the Lord. And for me, when I heard that, it really was transforming for me. At which point, Carrie set out to record another album, a Christian album, entitled Seeds of Change. And uh, he, of course, he's in the secular music world. So he grabbed all kinds of different artists from secular bands. And you know, these, the, he took the most talented guys he possibly could to record this album. And one of the songs that Carrie had written was titled The Mask of the Great Deceiver. Now, mind you, to, to, he, he picked, he handpicked to lead sing this song, a guy by the name of Ronnie James Dio. Would you, if you know anything about Ronnie James Dio, or if you're a Dio fan, I mean, he at one point uh, was the lead singer of Black Sabbath. I'm mean, this guy's bad news. But Kerry knew about Ronnie James Dio is that he would meditate on any song that he was going to record. And this is what Kerry Livgren had Ronnie James Dio meditate on the words from the mask of the great deceiver. This is what he writes. Well, he's the prince of the world. His work is never complete. And though he promises all, you'll lie a slave at his feet. Don't you know the world is his dominion? Can't you see that you're bound in his chains? Time is short, so take your strength in what remains. He will fill up your ears and he'll dazzle your eyes. But don't believe what he's saying because he's the father of lies. In your heart, don't you know that he'll betray you? In the end, he'll drag you away till all the world is crying for the judgment day. And he's fallen. How he's fallen from the heights of the morning star. Though his light's still shining brightly, it's the mask of the great deceiver. Though the truth has walked among us, referring to Jesus now, and the words that he spoke will remain. There's a heartbreaking blindness upon us and all our efforts to be free are in vain. Without the gift of love, we're lost without love. Going back to the idea of the evil one. Well, he never will rest until his evil is done. And he don't want you to know your freedom is already won. Don't you know that the world is his dominion? Can't you see that he keeps it in chains? Oh, time is short, so take your strength in what remains. He's fallen. Oh, he's fallen. From the height of the morning star, though his light's still shining brightly, it's the mask of the great deceiver. The, the mask of the great deceiver. He wants to make you a believer. He'll tell you lies. He'll betray your eyes. The great deceiver. This is who we're dealing with. Make no mistake. Understand when Lucifer would walk into the room, he's not going to walk in. He's not going to walk in like the Tasmanian devil. He's going to walk in looking pretty slick. Why? He's a counterfeit. But he can't deliver the goods. He can't create anything. He can only corrupt God's good creation. All of us are involved in an intense spiritual battle. For us to do well, we need to know what we're up against. The serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field. And he's one of the same as the devil or Satan. He's the great deceiver and the accuser of the brethren. He's already been conquered by the blood of Christ, so his time is short. Praise God for that. 
And even though we are currently engaged in a war that he has already lost, we need to remember that the serpent was once a great and good angel that God created, but Satan corrupted himself through his own pride, the text says. He was filled with unrighteousness, violence, and sin. He was cast down to earth by God himself. Remember, the serpent isn't just against God. He wants to be God. So he will lie his face off to you to get you to do whatever he wants you to do, to do his bidding. He's the father of lies, but don't, don't miss it. He was a murderer from the beginning. However, Jesus says, I am the I am. Jesus is, in fact, the great I am. He is the light of the world. He is the bread of life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. He is the great I am. In contrast, Satan is the father of lies. Jesus is truth and life. Satan is lies and death. Who are you listening to today? Would you stand with me as we close our service? Our gracious Heavenly Father, these are weighty things uh, to consider. But Lord, we need to understand who we're dealing with. The Apostle Paul makes it very clear in Ephesians 6 that we're in the midst of a spiritual battle. Even in this room, there are angels and demons going at it. We can't see it. But nonetheless, it's there. The evil one would love for us to be distracted, somehow miss out on what uh, this message is about today. But Lord, we pray that your word would prevail and would not return void. But we thank you that the evil one is already lost. That you've conquered the grave, demonstrating your power over life and death. And that you long to lead us free, leading the captives free. Oh, that we'd be free from sin through simply putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior. So Lord, help us to not buy the lies anymore. Help us to not be deceived. Help us not to lie to ourselves or to entertain falsehood, but to run to the truth because you are the truth. We'd rest in you, wait on you for all that is true, knowing full well that you're exactly who you say you are. You are God. You are our creator. You are our redeemer. You are the great I am. You are life, truth, and you are the only way forward. Lord, thank you. Strengthen us with these words. Protect us as we're assailed with uh, missiles, arrows that are flying at us. May we garner our shield of faith. We wield the sword of the Spirit, which is your word, having put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. Oh, may we fight. Fight for what's truth, what's right. Gird it up with truth, your word says. With our feet shod with the good news. Oh, God, help us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for sharing these things with us, revealing them to us, that we might learn of you and walk properly. We turn to you in faith and trust you. Turn to the truth. 
turning away from the lies. Lord, we need your help to do that. We can't do this in our own strength. We need your spirit in us, convicting us of what's true, showing us the falsehood. Oh, God, show us. Make it clear. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for attending to us and abiding with us. We pray all this in your son's wonderful and awesome name. And all God's people said...